Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, a holiday shopping preview, comedian Judah Friedlander ahead of his stand-up show in Minnesota, and the Golden Gophers' Carter Coughlin. But first... This Thanksgiving, the Salvation Army served hot meals to thousands of people from one end of Minnesota to the other. And that organization is now right in the middle of its biggest fundraising drive of the year. One of the staples of that, of course, is bell ringing. And MN's Bill Werner talked to Brian Molinan with the Salvation Army's Northern Division, which serves Minnesota and North Dakota, about the need and how to meet it. How are things looking around Minnesota this year compared to previous years? You know, I, I wish that I could say that the, the need is diminished, but sadly I can't. There is not a single indicator when we talk words like poverty and hunger and homelessness that's going in the right direction. In fact, homelessness overall is up 10% in our community. Uh, we have more issues around food insecurity in our community than we've ever had before. Um, There are schools, entire schools, where 70, 80, 90 percent of the students are on free and reduced lunches. And so from the Salvation Army standpoint, we're finding a greater need for food assistance, rent assistance, heat assistance, more people coming to the Harbor Light and the Booth Brown House, our our youth and adult shelters, more people in need from a housing standpoint. And so as a community, we have some really big issues that we need to tackle. You know, this is what we have heard, that despite the economy, and at least for some significant portion of of Americans, uh, the economy is booming, but not for these folks, it sounds like. You know, that's a really good point. If you're on the bubble, the good economy, what that means is I can find a job, but it's one of two or three or four jobs that I need to be working just to still make ends meet. And so there is a a portion of our community that's doing really well. Um, For the folks that are on the bubble, the folks that would be one or two paychecks away from having nothing, that's the arena that things are still, uh, frankly, growing and getting worse. And why the services of the Salvation Army are so critically important. You know, meet people in that place of basic need, And then how do we now wrap our programs around you to lift you up to a place of greater self-sufficiency? You have a lot of facilities around Minnesota, uh, and there's a lot of folks who come there um, in situations. They they probably, a lot of them probably don't want to have to do that, but they do as a result of their, their own personal situations. You need money to do that. Um, how are you, and let's, let's take a snapshot, and I, I realize that this is kind of a moving target as we go through the holidays here, but at this point, how are you doing on your fundraising goals? What kind of dollar numbers and how close are you? The, the numbers are big. Um, like many nonprofits, we rely on the holiday giving time to generate most of our budget. So between now and the end of December, 
we need to raise $12 million. $3 million of that is in kettles alone. Um, we're, we're not there yet. Um, we're, we're on the right track. It's, it's feeling good. But you literally don't know until the last minute where you land because there's a lot of folks that literally will wait till that last minute, that last week of the year to make their donation. I can't encourage people enough. If there ever was a year to give, this is the year to give. The needs are significant. More people than ever are in need in our community. $12 million is the goal we've set. Um, we need folks to come alongside of us, whether it's at the kettle or mailing in a check, um, going online to SalvationArmyNorth.org. Whatever mechanism works, I invite everybody to jump on board. $12 million number, that's the Northern Division number that you're talking about. That is the number for the Twin Cities. That's just the a number for the Twin Cities. Okay. Broader division now. So outside of the Twin Cities, across the rest of Minnesota and North Dakota, you can add about another $5 million on that. And so now, yeah, you're looking at a 17-ish million dollar number for both states. A big chunk of the way you raise that money is through kettles, right? It uh, is. Yeah, and, and, and tell us how you're doing on kettle hours. I know you've got a lot of hours to fill. Not all of them get filled, um, I would assume, but you're, you're trying to fill as many of them as possible. How are you doing, and how can people get involved? We need more bell ringers. We actually have, during our kettle season, 100 thousand hours of bell ringing available and there's no way that we're able to fill all of those slots we do uh, get thousands of people that say yes families and co-workers and rotary groups and the like we absolutely need more people can go to salvationarmynorth.org and simply click on volunteer i want to be a bell ringer and they can pick a favorite spot if they want to go to their favorite grocery store or Walmart or wherever. They can pick a two-hour shift that fits their schedule. It's a really easy volunteer opportunity. It's great for kids and to bring the family. It also is something that is wildly effective. In a two-hour shift, the typical volunteer will raise at least $60. That's enough to provide several nights shelter for somebody down at our Harbor Light facility. Give us the information again. If somebody wants to be a bell ringer, how do they sign up? Absolutely. Go to SalvationArmyNorth.org and click on bell ringing. You will see it pop up right on the home screen, the home page. And they, you can pick the day, the time, the shift. Super easy two-hour commitment, you will change a life by being a Salvation Army bell ringer. That's Brian Molinin with the Salvation Army's Northern Division. Thank you for that report, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. You, my friend, have connections in the government. Yes, you. USA.gov, the official source for government information on thousands of topics. And like any good connection, there's no telling where it can take you. 
why one day you're getting student loan information. Next thing you know, you need job hunting tips. Today's road construction info could have you searching for telecommuting ideas tomorrow. The more you use USA.gov, the more uses you'll find for it. Passport applications, for example. They've been known to lead to a sudden interest in travel advisories. Our new mobile apps will even update you on the go. So whether you have information to get or ideas to give your government, check out USA.gov. Who knows? Lottery results today could lead to retirement planning tomorrow. USA.gov. With the right connections, there's no telling where you can go. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. With Thanksgiving in the rearview mirror, the focus has now shifted ahead to Christmas and the holiday shopping season. Tasha Radel has more. That's right, Scott. With fresh snow blanketing many parts of the state, it's truly starting to feel more like the Christmas shopping season. Joining me today is Kim Savell, a marketing professor with the University of St. Thomas. So, Kim, are Minnesotans ready to open their pocketbooks this season? Are there any projections? There are a few uh, projections out there. Um, I'll start with saying that about 45% of shoppers would like to stay within their budget, but those budgets have increased over 2018. Right now, from what I'm reading, most reports are stating that consumers are going to spend between $500 and $750, with part of that being spent on themselves. And, you know, I wanted to visit with you a little bit about Black Friday. Um, you know, I've, I've heard this term most of my life, but I have to ask him, is there such a thing as Black Friday anymore? Yes and no. It's, it's really interesting what's happening. And we have such a short uh, holiday shopping season this year because of a late Thanksgiving that it's really more sort of turned into more of a, a, a Black Friday month. I will say it started with Black Friday, and then we added Cyber Monday to that, which turned it into like a five-day Black Friday event. Um, and then with the shortened season and Amazon and Walmart and Target all rolling out a lot of their Black Friday sales at the beginning of November, I'm not sure that there's a Black Friday anymore as much as a Black Friday season. And so if folks don't get out uh, the day after Thanksgiving shopping, is it fair for me to say that there'll be plenty of sales leading up uh, to the big holiday? Oh, absolutely. I think retailers in general are trying to capture as much as they can with sales promotion, with BOGOs, uh, with deals, um, anything to get people, one, into their stores or online um, and get them to purchase early. And that's what I was going to ask you, too. How important is the holiday shopping season to a business's bottom line? It is still a huge um, part of their bottom line. Uh, some retailers estimate in a 40, 50, 60 percent of their sales for the year happen during this time. Now, that being said, we've expanded this time. Um, like I said a minute ago, with the, you know this Black Friday season, so it is... Um, uh, very, very important to retailers. 65% of shoppers plan to shop on Thanksgiving, so um, those deals are very important. And another thing, too, I wanted uh, to to visit with you a little bit. You know, we're talking about uh, shopping both online and obviously in bricks and mortar stores. Uh, Any comparison there when we uh, look at those two? Uh, I find this to be a fascinating comparison, and it's changing rapidly right now. About 28% of shoppers feel like they will shop online this year. 31% are undecided as to where to shop. 
Groceries are going to be mostly purchased in store. Home furnishings mostly purchased in store. And same with clothing. Um, I think shipping promotions will play a huge role in um, attracting consumers. But um, I really, we're really seeing it depends on an age group. So what we're really seeing is this divide, like Gen Zers, the youngest of the consumers, which you would think would be shopping more online, are actually shopping more brick and mortar, where baby boomers, the oldest of the consumers, are, you would think would traditionally be shopping brick and mortar, are now moving online. So that to me is all fascinating, these big shifts in who is shopping where. That's interesting. That yeah, that that definitely from what I've been hearing in years past, that is that is quite a, a difference. That is quite a shift. That's interesting. Very interesting. It is. I think with Gen Zers, they're young. So um, one, they still have huge purchasing power, um, but at the same time, they're shopping brick and mortar mostly because of the experience. Well, lots of good information today, uh, Kim. Anything else you wanted to add that I didn't hit on? I think more than anything, retailers, I would like to end with it. Retailers should also be more mindful of customer service and shopping experience, both in stores and online. A poor online experience has really prevented Gen Z shoppers from making purchases multiple times this past year. Um, in store, that rate rises to 24%. So, I mean, it really, it's, it's really interesting how, how much the shopping experience uh, uh, changes uh, with uh, the lack of customer service or bad customer service or a bad shopping experience. 21% of customers halted an in-store purchase three to five times last year because of a bad experience. Thanks again to my guest, Kim Sawbell, a marketing professor at the University of St. Thomas. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Most people probably know Judah Friedlander for his role as Frank, the socially awkward custom baseball cap wearing writer from 30 Rock. But Friedlander has also been a stand-up comic for 30 years, and he's in town next week with a whole new set called Judah Friedlander, Future President. I recently chatted with Friedlander about his career in comedy and what folks can expect from his stand-up act. Well, I think they'll expect something you haven't seen before. You expect a... Uh, uh you know, a great, hilarious show that has uh, nothing preachy in it, but uh, lots of satire on uh, the United States and all the human rights issues in the United States and how we deal with them and how government oppression occurs. And if you want to get a flavor for what my act is like, um, if you have Netflix, you can watch... uh, an 84-minute stand-up performance film I have on there called America is the Greatest Country in the United States. And um, that's all satire, jokes, crowd work on uh, American exceptionalism. And, uh, you know, the show I'm doing now is similar thematically, but all different material. And your comedy seems to be a good blend of, I mean, obviously the, the news these days and what's happening with politics in our country is something that people in some ways kind of want to get away from, but you definitely put a spin on it that makes it entertaining, and I could see leaving your show being somewhat relieved 
by hearing that political humor. I mean, how much of a challenge is it to you to come up with a set that, that isn't necessarily giving people uh, more of, of uh, politics when they, they may, in fact, need a break from that in some regard? Yeah, uh, well, you know, I don't, you know, people can call my act whatever they want. I don't refer to it as political. However, you can make the case that everything is political. Every action that every person ever takes in their life is political. Uh, even if they're not doing something political, you can make the argument that that is a choice. Of, that's actually a political choice to be non-political. So, um, but anyways, I, you know, there's a few things in my act where, you know, a few characteristics about my act. You know, I'm never preachy. I don't tell people what to think. You know, everything I do is jokes. It's, it's completely serious, but completely ridiculous at the same time. You know, I talk about the heaviest, most serious issues, but I do jokes in a very, you know, outlandish and ridiculous way that, that, that things are funny. And, um, you know, it'll in order to get my jokes, you have to think, but I don't tell you what to think. And I don't talk about the minutia of, you know, I don't talk about, oh, the, this politician said this thing today and this politician said that thing, and then I make fun of them or I make fun of their clothes or the way they talk. or I don't do that stuff. I talk about, you know, uh, the the jokes I do involve the the big the big issues in the big picture. So it's uh, I, I try to do things so that they're more timeless, but also the you know pro human ultimately. Wanted to ask you about Thirty Rock. It it's so fast paced and it utilizes such a wide array of types of comedy. It's highbrow, lowbrow, subtle, broad. There's slapstick. There's I mean verbal banter in it. I'm wondering if being on the show in any way influenced how you write your own material. Uh, great question. It didn't influence how I write my material, but one of the things that really impressed me with Tina and Robert Carlock and the writers there was not just their joke writing ability and the story writing ability, but the organization of both of those and how they are interweaved together. Um, I've been on projects before where the content was great, and then they kind of over-edited the project, and they sort of sucked the life out of it. You know, it didn't really breathe. It was just sort of like flipping from one thing to the next. And I remember that being a concern of mine, with 30 Rock, was, you know, there's so much content in there. And every episode was, you know, on the page, probably, there was probably, I don't know, at least several or anywhere maybe from two to ten pages of material that didn't make it into the final cut. They would just cut it because some of it was maybe for quality, but I think most of it was for time. You know, they had to make the show a certain length. Um, so I was always, I was sometimes concerned that, hmm, I hope they don't over-edit and suck the life out of this thing. And that did not happen. It, it, it actually, uh, you know, made the show even stronger. 
I talk to a lot of comedians who say they love to perform in Minneapolis and Minnesota and that the audiences are great here. I'm wondering, do you agree with that? And if you do, what, what do you attribute that to? Uh, well, in general, it's, uh, you know, I think it's a smart city, a well-educated city. Um, those are definitely two reasons. I don't know all the reasons. Um, sometimes I think when cities or places are environmentally and temperature difficult, audiences are better. <laughs> you know, if, sometimes I think, you know, if you grow up in a place that, where it's just always warm and sunny, it, you know, there's, Sometimes I'm like, yeah, if everything's going perfectly in your life, maybe you don't need to develop a sense of humor as much, you know. <laughs> and if there's more obstacles and things are more difficult, you you kind of need to develop a sense of humor. All right, and one last question for you. This will most likely be airing right ahead of uh, Thanksgiving and your performance here on December 6th. So I have to ask, what is Judah Friedlander thankful for? Oh, you know, I'd say Earth, the environment, and first and foremost, uh, you know, my family, folks, my brother. Very good, Judah. Again, you've been very generous with your time. I can't thank you enough for it. It's a real treat to be able to talk to you, and we're looking forward to seeing you here at the Cedar Cultural Center on December 6th. Hey, it's been a treat talking to you. Thanks so much. I'll see you soon. Judah Friedlander performs at Cedar Cultural Center in Minneapolis Friday, December 6th. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Don't you wish that getting your child to eat right, move more, and spend less time in front of a screen could be as easy as pushing a button? It might not be that simple, but you do have more power than you know. And you can maximize that power with proven strategies, tips, and tools from the National Institutes of Health's We Can, or Ways to Enhance Children's Activity and Nutrition program. We Can offers all kinds of resources, including fun recipes and activities the family can do together to show you the way to live a healthier lifestyle. We're not saying it's easy. We are saying that it can be done. Take the first step today. Call 1-866-359-3226 for a free We Can Parents Handbook. And be sure to visit the We Can website at wecan.nhlbi.nih.gov for free information, too. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Golden Gopher football senior defensive end Carter Coughlin is from Eden Prairie. His dad played football. His mom played tennis at the U of M. His grandfather, Tom Moe, was an athletic director for the Gophers, and he has aunts and uncles from both sides of the family who played sports for the U. Eminem Sports Director spoke with Coughlin about his journey, his season, and about the game this weekend. With Carter Coughlin, your last home game, we've talked about this before, uh, you being the hometown guy running out of the tunnel, you tweeted this week about it, and I got thinking about this because I think in people's mind the impression is, oh, you've done that hundreds of times, 28 times, seven times a year, that's it. I mean, it's a precious, uh, finite number of times, so this will be the 28th. Um, what, what will that emotion be like? It's crazy to, to think about it. I mean, just like you talked about, you know, football, we only, we only play so many games a season, but we practice all year for it, and so... Um, you know, me running out of the tunnel at TCF, I can still remember the first time I ever did that. It, it's, it's imprinted in my memory, and I'll never forget that. But um, I got a feeling that, that this last time is also going to be the same way. It's, it's going to be emotional, but, you know, it's, it's going to give me every ounce of motivation I, I need. And usually I don't need any extra, but, I mean, this is, this is just going to be stacked on. 
And when you, you mentioned in your tweet, when you do that, you have a routine. Kind of walk us through what, what each one of those uh, times you do. Yeah, so I run out of the tunnel and go out to the 50-yard line, uh, look up 22 rows of seats, and that's where we've got a big family section of um, season tickets that, that we've had since TCF opened. And you know, I got my grandparents, my parents, aunts, uncles, cousins, siblings, all those people up there. And uh, I walk over to the stand, step on a chair so that make sure they can see me and uh, do the sign language sign for I love you, and they all do it back. So um, that's, that's my mom's favorite, favorite part of the entire game, and uh, it's, it's special. That um, that area of seats, I would guess, is where like a 12 or a 13 or a 14-year-old Carter Coughlin probably sat and watched his heroes play, and now you're on that field wrapping it up. Yeah, that's, that's where I sat and dreamed about being on the field, and uh, now I'm, now I'm going to be doing that for the last time. Um, your roommates, your teammates, your brothers, as you guys like to call it, um, what's this week been like? Because uh, so much here, you think about all that's at stake, and then it's the last game, and it's senior day, and you've got an axe in the building, and Big Ten championship appearance potentially on the line. I mean, a lot on your mind. Yeah, it, it sure is, but the reality is this is exactly why we came here. We, we've, we talk about pressure all year, and we've practiced for pressure, we've worked under pressure, and um, and we can handle pressure. We all want pressure. We love pressure. And this just makes college football, Minnesota football, so special. And, uh, you know, we are incredibly focused. We're not worried about, you know, what's going to happen, what's going to, you know, all that kind of stuff. We're just focused on every single play. We're going to do our job, and the rest is going to take care of itself. Game day is coming to town. You guys really don't get to, to do much with that. Um, and I suppose since you've been playing, you don't get to watch too much because you guys are getting ready for games. But I would assume when you're in middle school and high school, you watch that show and um, you think about what, what does that mean to, to this program? What's that mean to you guys that you were part of the crew that uh, they got that, that iconic show here? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. Coach Fleck, uh, he, when we talked about game day, he's like, yeah, it's awesome, all this stuff, never never been done here before, but you guys don't get to experience any of that. It's for the fans, but, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm so stoked that it's here. I think it's just, uh, it's kind of our way of saying thank you to all the fans who have been crazy supportive this year, who are going to be sold out in TCF Bank Stadium when it's going to be just freezing, snowing, all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I guess this is kind of our way of saying thank you. I'm glad that game day chose to come here and that um, our fans get to experience that. You mentioned the cold. Um, do you like cold weather? you like snowy weather? Do you, do you revel in that or would you prefer it to be 70 degrees? I love cold weather. Bring on the snow. <laughs> what will Wisconsin bring? What do you guys have to do? Wisconsin's a, a fantastic offense. Their offensive line, their running back, quarterback receivers, I mean this year they are solid across the board. They've got playmakers everywhere and so for us, the biggest thing is everybody's going to need to do their jobs, and uh, and and you know with that comes everything that we focus on with the defense. You know our how, our toughness, technique, all that kind of stuff. All of that's going to be need to be 10 out of 10. Otherwise, we're not going to get the job done. So we've got our work cut out for us, but. Um, we wouldn't want it any other way. With all the emotion uh, of senior day and everything else on the line, fast start, I would assume, would, would be uh, one of the, the first quick goals. And you guys have been fast starters mm -hmm. for most of the year. Yeah, without a question. Right, right on the first whistle, we need, to, we need to be hitting it. And if defense starts, you know, we, need to, we need to make that three and out, whatever it is, get them off the field, get our offense the ball. 
All right, very good. It's been fun watching. Enjoy this uh, last regular season game. There's still some ahead, I know, but enjoy this one here in Minneapolis. Yeah, thank you very much. That's MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm with Carter Coughlin. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.